This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. A man's, you know, perception of, of adultery is different than a woman's. I think physical... Like if Stephanie had a physical affair, I would be much more prone to be like going to a divorce. Whereas she would probably be that same way about an emotional affair for me, if I had an emotional affair. So you have to be careful how you're, you're, you're addressing these things legalistically, yeah. because yeah. you can get down a real rough trail of like giving no, no grace. And then when you need the grace, mm-hmm. we're starting off pretty heavy and we're actually already live. So welcome everybody. We're, we're talking about marriage, all things relationships. We have a couple of experts here that really, honestly, I don't know, this is free marriage advice for you. Uh, on paper, this would cost a lot of money. So free for you, this is the holiday season. So it's our gift to you. Um, we have uh, Dr. Jeremy Lelick in the studio today. Welcome. Good to be here. And Susan Thomas, she is the better half of Brandon and Susan Thomas of Keystone Church. Happy to be here. Brandon's in the room too, so he can he can throw something at him if he wants, but I, I think he'd probably agree with that as well. Uh, I don't know about that. We're talking today about some some just marriage related items. Uh, you know, we're going through this this time and season where everything's heating up for family time. Mm-hmm. In laws are coming in town. You've got kids back home, and you can either have a great holiday season or you can go through it with a smile on your face but frustration in your heart mm-hmm. so we're going to try to resolve that today on the show before we start um, we have a brand new couples devotional out called i will this is from jimmy and karen evans and this is brand new you want to get this this is a perfect holiday gift uh for your i don't know kids for friends family for yourself uh go to amazon right now you can find this i will it's a 365 day promises for your marriage. It's something you can do every single day next year with you and your spouse, or if you have somebody you want to give that to as well. It's a great resource for them. So you can check it out at exomarriage.com or amazon.com. And really today I want to talk about, we have coming up National Divorce Day. Now this is something that we're trying to educate people on. Stephanie and I have talked about this for years. It's, it's something where it's a real day. First business day of the new year, people come back into their work life and their first call typically, or their first Google search is divorce lawyer in my area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so family law offices see a, a spike wow. in calls on the first business day after the new year. It's called National Divorce Day because it's it's just a reality that there is a moment in time where couples have gone through the holiday seasons and they've just been putting on their, their happy face Mm-hmm. And then at some point they're just done and their, their moment, their, their first opportunity, mm-hmm. they go to the, um, uh, to the website or to the phone and they call the divorce lawyer. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying to do is educate people that there's a better way mm-hmm. you, you can avoid that, that, uh, that call, that Google search. If you'll just prepare yourself for what's about to happen coming up over the next couple of weeks yeah. during the holiday season. And if you're already in a bad place, it can only get worse if you're if you're not in a good mindset. But sometimes you get surprised at how bad things are because you're not really expecting that nuclear moment where your mother-in-law says something 
and then you just realize it's always the mother-in-law putting it i i guess it could be a father-in-law but for whatever reason in society the mother-in-law has been given that villain role she has and i'm a new mother-in-law so i refuse it i rebuke I know. it yeah it's one of those things where it's easy to uh talk about it until you're in the shoes on the other side and then you kind of have to walk walk uh yeah. through a process of going probably analyzing, overanalyzing, yeah. making sure that you're not, but then you can kind of go like a pendulum, you can go to the opposite direction yeah. and uh, be too inclusive of all those things. And so, yeah, I feel for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all in, I'm all in. Uh, the first thing I wanna talk about today was uh, we have a new story that came, headlines that just, just came up not too long ago. This is an interesting story. It was a big news item about a month ago because this was the most expensive wedding of the year. They had a $60 million wedding in Paris, this couple did. And this is a local couple. And he, th this, so I, I read about the $60 million wedding in Paris. That's, that was the big Instagram news splash. Mm -hmm. And then just recently, somebody on our team sent me a, a news article where the groom just got arrested for shooting at Fort Worth police officers. Oh, wow. And so, but the, but the shooting happened <clears throat> in March of this year. So in March, they were having an argument, 2 a.m. on the driveway, and neighbors were called, our neighbors called the police, police showed up, and uh, the groom, this was the fiance at the time, shot at the, the police officers. Wow. And then eight months later, they had a $60 million wedding in Paris. Wow. Oh, wow. So what I wanna ask both of you, and ladies first, is what's a, what's a bigger red flag going into a wedding? <laughs> Than shooting at police officers. <laughs> I mean, I'm drunk really, at 2 a.m. Yeah, have you ever had one, do you, do a situation? You, do you reward that with a $60 million wedding? Good. I need your best answer right now. Oh, my goodness. I mean, so, I feel like this is a high-stakes answer. I know. But truthfully, I'm sure you see this in the church yeah. world as well. You see couples getting married, falling in love, but you see red flags. And so how do you, how do you approach marriage for young people who have stars in their eyes yeah. and can't see the reality of things? And then they're going into a wedding and they're putting a bunch of money into the wedding and yeah. they're not even thinking about the cost of divorce. I, oh, mean, yeah. I, would, I would like to talk mm. through that, but just give me from, from the pastor's perspective what, and an LPC perspective what you think. Sure, I think that this is a pattern that's really common. I think that we get excited and we have desires deep on the inside. Of, I want a relationship, I want a companion for life. It's a deep longing of the heart. And um, I think from a woman's perspective, for example, we started young age writing that cute boy's last name behind our first name. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we're hoping, like, what would that look like if I was his wife one day and we're in fifth grade, right? Mm -hmm. But we do those things. And so often we can view that relationship and then that coming wedding as I have arrived. The wedding, we get the what, the bridal magazines, or we look mm. online, or we start the Pinterest board, and so we have all this expectation, but we really have no idea what comes after the wedding. Mm. We have no idea that the wedding is just the beginning, and the real work comes after the wedding, and so. I think a lot of times because we have such a strong desire, we're willing to dismiss the red flags that were showing up along the way. Oh, he'll change, <laughs> you know, and I'm speaking from a woman, same thing for a man. You may see those things in her and, oh, you know what, once we're together, um, I, I'll, I'll influence her or I'll be able to change him. And those are some really tragic, tragic lies that we believe because as we know in this room, marriage is not easy. Mm -mm. Marriage is hard and it's two sinful, broken people coming together and um, neither of us can change each other. That's only gonna be a God transformation. And so helping couples and premarital counseling really dive into some of those potential um, 
future fights mm -hmm. and maybe even red flags that, hey, I know it may be devastating to consider calling off a wedding, but I promise you the pain of calling off a wedding that is not God's best for either of you is far less destructive than going through with that wedding onto the other side, mm -hmm. potentially on a pathway to divorce. I think one of the most struggling things as a counselor is when I'm sitting in premarital counseling, and this has happened um, on occasion where I'm, I believe I'm looking at a future divorce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've even had to tell the couple this. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. It is hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah. But it's, it's so much better for them to hear that up front. <laughs> yes. So much more better. Mm -hmm. uh, so, <laughs> you know, the, the, the reality is, is you just have puppy yeah. love. And yep. you, you yep. can't see the, the, the obvious red flags there that are going to get worse, not better, once you say, I do, yeah. and you're living with somebody full time. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Lelick, what would you say? Well, I definitely agree with Susan. I can't tell you how many times in my counseling office, one year in, five years in, 20 years in, that I have heard the comment, I saw the red flags when we were dating and mm -hmm. I just didn't pay attention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and because they didn't pay attention to that or didn't have the courage to, to lean into that and ask good questions of themselves. Um, very often those red flags lead them into my office where it's deteriorated to a place of absolute uh, trauma and pain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's a, it's very important if folks are out there that are not married, but planning a marriage, if they see red flags, um, go to someone, talk about those red flags and, and have the courage uh, to look at it with honest eyes, mm -hmm. because those red flags are probably signals. Well, they're definitely signals you need to pay attention to and see if they can be resolved. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, just real quickly, because the, the reason y'all are both on the show today is because y'all have known each other for a long time. Yeah. So just talk a little bit about how you got to know each other, your your backgrounds, your your counseling backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. just just tell a quick story, Jeremy. Start yeah. about, about y'all's relationship uh, professionally in the in the counseling space. Yeah, so back in 2000, I had I was entering into what's called a practicum uh, in my graduate school, and that's where you go and get uh, 300 hours of actual practical counseling experience. And we were working for the, we're, you were working for Christian Counseling Associates mm -hmm. at the time, and that's where I landed in my practicum, and we ended up in the same office mm. 20 years ago. Yes. And I was wow. very nervous and yes. insecure and thinking maybe I'm, I've gotten into the wrong profession, yeah. felt overwhelmed. And I just remember coming into Susan's office. She had been counseling for a while and she was just a major encouragement. Mm. We had just had our first son. You guys probably had yes, your first daughter. Yes. And so from then on, we've just been very dear yeah. friends. Yeah. 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 I love his wife, Lynn and, and yes. you, Brandon have been sweet. We've been sweet colleagues and friends now for decades. Yeah. And um, yes, I started in the counseling field in 96 is when I graduated with my master's and began my journey with practicum and getting my hours and actually took a break for a couple of years, worked in the corporate world and honestly was um, frustrated in the counseling field like you. Mm -hmm. I thought, what in the world am I doing? Mm -hmm. But I was discouraged because I could not reconcile what I believed biblically in my worldview with the counseling um, education that I received mm -hmm. in my master's degree. And so I thought, well, you know what, this just isn't for me. And then I found my way back and the Lord honestly directed my steps to get training in biblical counseling that equipped me mm -hmm. and gave me great confidence. And so that by the time we um, met, for the first time, I had been back in the counseling field. And, you know, that's been over 20 years ago of just 
having the privilege to walk with people and see mm-hmm. God do incredible things. I, I don't think either of us could be in this field if we didn't see the life change. Mm-hmm. It would be way too discouraging. Oh, yeah. But that's the part that keeps me in the game is mm-hmm. when you see a marriage that's beyond repair and world standards mm-hmm. and a miracle happens mm-hmm. and a family's restored. So. Yes. That well, is, I was going to say, that is um, the hard part of, to me, of counseling is when couples will not listen to you. Yeah. You know, you give them advice and they just do what they want. Our divorce lawyer that we had on a couple of shows ago, he always said, you know, when he's with couples at, at the beginning before they've gotten married, you can't tell them anything negative about their spouse. Mm. And then when they're in his office about to divorce, you can't tell them anything positive oh, wow. about their so spouse, mm. their, their spouse. And I think that's so true. So w- do you guys have a process of when people come to you, do they have to, what if they don't listen to you? Do you, will you still meet with them? Mm. What is that? Well, a lot of times when couples come in, it's not unusual that both of them have the, an agenda that the other person is the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the other person may be more of the problem, but I try to level the playing field uh, early first session. So I have this statement that I ask them, let's, let's reject this statement that I'm suffering more than you mm-hmm. and let's embrace the statement we're both suffering mm-hmm. and that it's gonna take a team effort and us with the help of the Lord to pull out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the us is like, your marriage, your marriage needs your help. And if you both don't jump in and, and go into the IC, ICU and help the marriage, then you're going to be in trouble. Um, if a person enters counseling and you have two humble hearts, you know, you were talking about the hardened heart. If, if I, it can be a disastrous situation, but if both people sitting on the couch have humble hearts before the Lord, miracles happen. It's true. Mm-hmm. Miracles happen. It's true. But when one person digs their, their heels in thinking they are justified in doing that, that's when marriage counseling becomes extremely laborious and unproductive. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I would say uh, to many, if not all of the clients that I've had the privilege to walk with, with marriages, one of the first things that I'll talk about, usually session two, or it just depends on the flow of, of the conversation, but I will let them know if your number one goal is to save your marriage, there's a great chance your marriage will not be saved. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, I do believe that much of our marital problem is symptomatic of my own problem with the Lord. And that's going to be both or one of the spouses. But I will go so far and I I stand on it because I can't think of one exception. If both couples, to your point about the humble hearts, would say, my number one goal is to get healthy with the Lord and get right with Christ. Like he is my number one goal in this journey of counseling. It's a hundred percent success rate in my counseling profession over 20 years. I I cannot think of one couple where both individuals did not say that's going to be my number one goal as we move forward. My personal walk with God growing, being transformed Mm -hmm. and that marriage is saved. Mm -hmm. And so I think when people aren't compliant is really what you're saying. They don't want to follow you. You can hang with them for so long, but at some point, you know, you just say, Hey, I don't know if if my time with you is beneficial for you. Mm -hmm. And I rarely am I going to, cut off the client, but I am going to bring it to their awareness that I think the way we're progressing in counseling, is not going to benefit you. Mm -hmm. Something has to shift if you want things to change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's something very powerful. Um, When we bring a biblical worldview into counseling, Mm -hmm. it doesn't ultimately become about saving the marriage. It becomes about God's glory. And it becomes the the process of marriage counseling becomes a, a process in which we are truly seeking to be conformed to the image of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so 
early on in the counseling process, I will often point to Philippians 2, um, our model Christ. You know, if you want to, a lot of times people are coming into the office with a power struggle. They want, one person wants it one way, the other wants it another. So I reframe the word power uh, through the lens of Philippians 2, mm. where you see Jesus didn't consider it a thing to, to stay equal in the heavenlies with the Trinity, but he made himself nothing mm. and he became a servant and he was obedient uh, and humbled himself. And, and I try to encourage couples, if you want to be successful in this process, that's the kind of power that you're going to have to insert into every step of the way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's true. So good. It's powerful. Great question. Uh, I do want to follow up. I'm, we, first of all, we have some people from Colorado, uh, Virginia, somebody from the UK uh, is there, uh, probably enjoying a scone and watching uh, as we are, are talking right now. Maybe it's tea time over there. Um, we, we, you know, this process of talking about marriage, we kind of dance around certain things related to the nuances of like what it takes to have a successful marriage, right? Because there's so many different ingredients mm. and people don't walk into a marriage fresh, you know, like they, they've lived typically at least 18 years, hopefully in, in, in the legal sense of, of the word. Um, but with those 18 years, they're bringing in so many things. And then if they've, you know, gone through some adult years, they're bringing even, even, even more stuff into the marriage that could be possible baggage. But what I'll talk about right now is uh, prescriptions. Uh, prescriptions in marriage related to people on uh, like Xanax, Adderall, um, mm. you know, they're, they're coming into a marriage and they're, and they're, they're relying on prescriptions mm. to fix a lot of their mm. issues. And Dr. Levick, one of the things I thought was amazing is that you have this program called ISIS. It's Oasis with an I. Yes. Uh, yes. And you treat people, ner the neuro side of what you do, you treat people and you're able to kind of maybe point them in a different direction other than the pharmacy mm -hmm. related to fixing some of those issues. but. In our experience, more often than not, people, especially adults, are heavily medicated yes. in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying that sometimes that's positive because we have a story that could tell that, that there's actually a positive nature to people who are struggling and there's a medi medication that can solve that. But also, when you're overly prescribed in America, there's a lot of couples dealing with issues, like neurological issues, Bipolar, if you're bipolar, you need medication typically if you're clinically yeah. diagnosed. Yeah. But you have a program now that's been proven to, to cure or help things like Tourette's and things like ADHD. So just kind of go through that, that motion real quick about what's going on in, in your world led to that. Yeah, so, you know, speaking to Xanax specifically, I mean, that that's a, a big deal in our culture. Everybody's taking Xanax. Um, and I encourage folks, now it's a highly addictive drug, and I encourage folks to, if you're on that, go see your doctor and see if you can find another way. Uh, if you're coming to me for counseling for anxiety, one of my first requests is going to be, we need to go to your physician and stop taking Xanax. Mm -hmm. Because when you're counseling anxiety from a neurological basis, your brain doesn't rewire if it's not activated. And so what Xanax does, it sedates the amygdala. And so you can do everything we're recommending in counseling, but it's not going to help long term because your brain cannot rewire in a sedated state. Um, so, you know, I do see that a lot. And one of the, my <clears throat> passions as a, as a counselor, I'm not against medication at all. Some people 
need that. I do believe we are an over-medicated culture. Mm -hmm. There's new studies that have come out of some major universities this year that are basically pushing hard against the chemical imbalance theory, saying that it sold us a lot of goods that uh, were oversold mm -hmm. um, in order for people to, you know, be able to push antidepressants and things like that. So we really do need to, I want to rethink those kind of things for the good of the people that come to see me. Mm -hmm. um, and the Lord brought into my world this technology called ISIS microcurrent neurofeedback. Um, and I stopped counseling for about four months once I got the technology just so I could do it on people and make sure it wasn't quackery because mm -hmm. it just sounds too good to be true. Mm -hmm. And what it is, it's an electroencephalograph where we put different leads on your scalp um, and we have protocols that we follow and it's putting three picowatts of energy into your brain, which is less than what you get when you put your cell phone up to your, to your ear. And what it's doing, it is elevating the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest system. And anytime the parasympathetic is elevated, the sympathetic has to calm down and that's your fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And so we, we can't say that we're treating your anxiety or we're treating your Tourette's, we're treating your brain. But what we have seen is a profound impact on young kids who the parents show me a video of them squirming on the couch like they're having a seizure, but it's Tourette's mm. and they have not been able to find any cure. And they, we, we take them through our program with the microcurrent and 10 to 15 sessions, they no longer have that struggle. That's awesome. wow. Same mm. things with uh, ADHD, um, anger, uh, depression, anxiety. And again, it, we're not yet allowed by the FDA to say I'm treating your anxiety, but we're treating the brain and just seeing a myriad of, of uh, positive impacts. And I often use it when I'm dealing with couples that are very volatile mm -hmm. and they can just go to lightning speed hot in two seconds. Mm -hmm. We get them to do the IASIS because it's calming their system so that when they start getting into these communication moments that we're trying to teach them, their system is mm. more ready to do that. Stephanie, do I need that? Yeah. Are you taking patients? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. She wants to recommend somebody. For well, that. And we're a witness. One of our family members yeah. had, we had the privilege to go through the ISS for uh, anger and dramatic, saw dramatic improvement. Mm -hmm. And it's just a, it's an example of how the mind, body, soul, God created us all connected. Mm -hmm. It influences. And yes. how many sessions did you say? We will do 10 sessions and then we'll assess. And it's, and then if we think we need more, we'll do 10 more. So it's typically 10 to 20 on the issue will resolve. Obviously, if somebody takes a hit out there in life and uh, gets uh, some kind of trauma or tragedy, they can come back in for uh, a shot, so to speak. But mm -hmm. typically 10 to 20 and we don't see folks again. So wow. explain this to me, because like for an ADHD medication, it's actually, which sounds crazy, it's giving a stimulant to somebody who's over overstimulated already, mm -hmm. but it's forcing blood flow to the front of the brain to allow for the, that part of the brain to begin to focus and bring executive functioning skills and things of that nature to the forefront, which wouldn't be there just left alone by itself. Mm -hmm. So this treatment is doing something similar. It's activating the brain in ways that maybe pushes, I'm, I'm asking a question, mm -hmm. pushes maybe the energy to places where it calms down those reflexors in those instances where your brain's trying to go back to behaviors that are odd or yes. flawed. And it's re, is it just retraining your brain? Is that what it's doing? So, so the brain gets entrained. And so we get into these locked 
patterns, brain patterns uh, that can become chronic, like with anxiety or ADHD. Mm-hmm. What this does, it disentrains the brain. It's a, it's a natural just tap of energy into the brain that helps the brain uh, disentrain on its own. So it's very naturopathic. It's a natural way to help the brain do what God created the brain to do. I think a part, I can't, I can't, don't quote me on this in terms of research, but I think a big piece on the, on the focus is that um, this particular technology focuses on the delta wave and the delta wave does not need to be really active during waking hours. We want the delta wave to, should be most active in our deepest sleep. Mm. And so this particular device does help people get into that delta range sleep, which we need to clean our brains from toxins and things of that nature. So I think that has a big part to play mm-hmm. in how it affects folks with focus issues. Addictions as well. Is it, I saw that may, it may yes. help with addictions. And, yes, and, it does help with yeah. addictions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's great information awesome. for people out there that, that may want to use that as a, as a means to an end. Mm-hmm. So have you seen marriages in your office, couples that go through this? I, I mean, is there a, a success rate? I don't have an exact success rate, but I do believe with with more volatile couples that have a very hard time regulating during conflict, so they can't keep their tempers down or they shut down because of anxiety. I do believe it's extreme. They they have self-reported to me that they've known a difference when they are doing the IASIS along with marriage counseling, that it does help them implement uh, the communication techniques that we're working on. Wow. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. I think that's what's the interesting part of that is, 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 and this is a way I personally believe now this is, um, I'm, I'm, I'm ordained, but I'm not a pastor. I'm uh, a marketer with, you know, a, a CEO position at a marriage ministry. And so take that for what it's worth. Um, when I think about God, think about Jesus, I think about the fact that he created the heavens and the earth and that the science is just as important as the spiritual side of it, mm. right? So the, the brain patterns, everything that you're talking about, it's almost like we are tapping into something that he already knew mm-hmm. and that it's not a mystery. So we can yes. pray that anxiety will be taken away. And I think that that can oftentimes just the prayer and that and that meditation process on scripture can lead to a healthy state of mind. Mm-hmm. But often not off, more often than not, I think that tapping into what God and how we created our, our bodies and our minds mm-hmm. and using technology to go back to some of the basics of how we were wired mm-hmm. is also part of God's given plan for our lives. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want my life at least to be so locked in that I can't use treatments or technology or even medicine to help improve my life just because I believe that God has to be the one mm-hmm. that divinely yeah. touches my life. And I think so many people get trapped yeah. in those kinds mm-hmm. of, their, it's their own man-made belief system that keeps them from help. Yes. And, and, and this technology that you're using could be a, a way for them to see treatment through a different lens. Mm-hmm. Yes. They could be prayerful. They could be in church. They could be going through all the right motions, but still struggling. And it's okay to use something like this to at least check that box and see if it, if it would work or not. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people feel defeated <clears throat> and they've been praying for years and nothing's happened. Mm-hmm. And then again, like we said last week, sometimes it's just your testosterone levels are off and you need to <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, check, check in on some of, the, some of the things that are going on. So we have some questions right now. Um, this is a question from Lynchburg, Virginia. I think Susan, this would be great for you to answer. Um, I truly feel that my wife and I have been called to the marriage ministry and have been accepted into that at our church. 
We've been doing it for over the last several months now, but she has now said she feels she is not called mm. to do that mm. and wants out of it. Mm. But the the church needs both of them in the ministry. They're not. He's not sure what to do. Um, feel like he says he feels that we made a commitment and now have to tell them what we can no longer do because she wants out of it. Yeah. So this is a couple that is committed to marriage ministry in the church, mm-hmm. and now one of them wants to back out of the marriage ministry. Yes. Yeah. And so I think he's feeling awkward about the fact that he w- was committed to this and needs to be able to have some support there, mm-hmm. but doesn't want to do marriage ministry by himself. Yes. How, how would you counsel them? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think one of the first places that you have to start is asking, do you have you stopped and had conversation with your wife to understand her? Where is she at? Because something's driving the change in her response. Before, it sounds like that this couple was all in together. We want to do marriage ministry at our church. And then there's been some kind of shift. And so really getting to the bottom of what's going on in her heart, what is going on with, does she feel insecure to step forward in that? Or are things coming to the surface in your own marriage that she's thinking, you know, we're not, we can't walk into helping other people until we get some things mm-hmm. healed in our own marriage. So there's really a lot of question marks that I think you have to begin um, to take a look at. And, and before you focus on not pleasing or disappointing the people that you already committed to, I think that the first priority is you and your wife being on the same page that you're together. And and I think there's such a wonderful space, both with the husband and the wife, where we do challenge and stretch each other of, hey, you know, once you understand where you both are, it could be that, that he's there to cheerlead her on and to help her stretch past her comfort zone. Or it may be that there's some things going on inside of her where he has to let that go for this moment and say, you know what, it'll be God's time. Timing. I don't want to um, force this marriage ministry at the expense of my marriage. Mm-hmm. That would be a very upside down motivation to move forward. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the, the real element is none of us want to disappoint people when we've said, hey, we're all in. But the reality in life is that things do change. And I believe your church would understand mm-hmm. if um, God was redirecting your path in this season mm-hmm. and just to communicate with them. Overly communicate. Yes. As a follow-up question, how often... <clears throat> Well, let me say this, I think it's very often, but for, for couples in marriage ministry or, or even pastors, senior pastors, and their marriage isn't necessarily the poster ch- child for, for a good, healthy relationship, and they're trying to help people in their church, how do, you, how do you counsel those types of leaders out there that are trying to make it work uh, publicly, mm-hmm. and their, their marriage is on shaky ground behind the mm-hmm. scenes. And it may not be on the verge of divorce, but they're just chronically, you know, fighting and, and possibly there's, there's some, some potential pitfalls for their relationship, but they have to be shiny, happy people on the, mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. stage and, and make sure everyone feels good about their yes. relationship. But, but at the end of the day, they end up avoiding talking about marriage mm-hmm. or they end up avoiding, um, really dialing into that, that culture of marriage because their own marriage is not necessarily feeling stable. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's in that state, as a pastor or a leader, or and it, it could be just like a home group leader. Mm-hmm. How would you coach them to, to be able to walk a path to where they feel better getting help mm-hmm. so that they're not, they're not, you know, exposing themselves, but they're getting help because I think we've even felt this way as our relationship yeah. is if you're a marriage, if you're a pastor, you're considered an expert. And if you're in the marriage space, you're considered an expert, but where do you go for help? Oh, How good. do you keep your marriage um, healthy? No, this is very good. And this is personal because I am a 
licensed counselor. I am a you know pastor's wife and in ministry with my husband. I think it begins at understanding the human condition. We have to normalize our situation that we're all in the same boat in the sense of we all battle sin and it's real. It's not just a churchy word. It's a condition of our soul that we're born with. Psalm 51 says from the womb. And so when you're married and you're in a position of ministering to others and their marriages, don't minimize the sickness of your own soul, or if you're, if your sickness always progresses, mm -hmm. if it's untreated, mm -hmm. if it's undealt with, if it's um, not exposed and diagnosed per se, it's going to progress and it's not going to be pretty. And so I think it, the first step, if you're working with marriages or in church life, understanding you have the same condition. I can't tell you how many times in 20 years I've sat with people, wonderful people in places of pain, and they'll be sharing their story and one of our goals is to get to the root of how we got here and what's driving this behavior, what's driving these emotions. And so many times I'll sit there and be like, I struggle with that too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I have the same struggle. Mm -hmm. and, and it's almost as though God is, he's a multitasker. I've had the privilege to help them, but he's also like, hey, check yourself over here at that selfishness. Here's where it can lead. Mm -hmm. And it's just a living proof example of things progress. So I really believe there is, you cannot, overstate the importance of tending our own garden of the soul and being willing to go to trusted people. And that can be hard. It can be hard to find trusted people when you're in a place of leadership that you can go to, but I believe God makes a way. And if you begin to seek those people, he'll, he'll lead you to them where you can get the help that you need so you can be strong and be able to breathe hope into other relationships. Okay, I have another follow-up question for you. And these questions are gonna get harder as I get- Oh, no. oh okay. let's go. No, this will be the final one. Uh, this is something I feel like is important because you know, if you're walking through something as a leader, oftentimes that story can be powerful and a testimony and help others, encourage others. But how soon do you reveal mm -hmm. that? Ooh. Because I think that's the challenge is you, you, you reveal it too soon mm -hmm. and people think you're, you're not an expert because you're, your marriage might be in a bad place. Yeah. But if you don't reveal it soon enough, then you're not giving people the hope and, and, the, and the encouragement that, that they need. Mm -hmm. So how soon? It's got to be case by case. And, you know, some words we say and it, it, you feel like, oh, that's just a churchy answer. I believe it to my core. You've got to ask the Lord and hear the Holy Spirit's direction. Listen to his voice. God, is it time for us to share the journey that we've been through? Is it time and how much are we to share? And together as a couple, you've got to be on the same page with that. Again, you don't want to take your relational struggles or hard places and position it as a platform for your ministry when your marriage is the first priority. Mm -hmm. You've got to really make sure, God, have you done, have we allowed the work to be done in us um, before we go and try to take that and use it as a platform? And platform can sound almost negative. The better way is to help other people. But again, it's like the oxygen mask in the airplane. They always tell you to put yours on first mm -hmm. before you put on someone mm -hmm. else's. I think it's a similar mindset. Um, and that is case by case. So I don't think there's never a time when you can't be still working through problems that you can't use those in real time. But I think it, it has to be, you're in, in it together, you're in agreement. One, one partner, one spouse is not pushing or forcing the other before that person is ready to share their hard place. Mm. But there is power in authentic testimony. I agree with that, yeah. <laughs> and you don't wanna process your, your trash in front of everyone, that's, that's never pretty. But everything is different. Like I think case by case basis is really important because you know if you're struggling, for example, if your pastors and, and you're struggling with infertility, 
that's a different struggle mm -hmm. than you know if you're struggling with you know adultery uh, or something. What's that? Adultery or adultery, especially yeah. adultery. Yes. <laughs> don't yeah. Please don't bring that to the stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so process that openly. To begin. Uh, yeah. So I mean, the, the the whole mindset of being in marriage ministry leadership is great. A lot of people are encouraging other couples out there, and they're possibly called to do that mm -hmm. in a full time basis. But then you kind of have to be this, there's this tension there because yeah. you're, you're real, the humanity, oh, you're yeah. real people that have real struggles and you can't always reveal those things. But at some point that's actually helpful for people to mm. see the struggle. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I'm always just curious how people process when they reveal those sorts of things. Great answers. Uh, I have some questions for you, Dr. Lelick. All right. <laughs> um, Jonathan in the chat says, my wife told me two years ago, we separated, went to counseling in a marriage intensive. She told me on the way home from the intensive, she wanted a divorce is now dragging her feet by not filling out the paperwork. Show, he's uh, showing up for court, but not making any stride to resolve the marriage. He's been in counseling for two years and got finally got fired by his counselor because he he hit all the growth goals in the counseling session. Hmm. Uh, but now he's uh, got a wonderful feeling. He's thriving and taking care of his kids, but he's not sure what to do in the season. So he's waiting for, I guess, the divorce to finalize his wife's dragging his feet. What thoughts would you give him right now in terms of encouraging him as he's walking through this process? Well, I would encourage him for certain to when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Embrace the beautiful truth in Romans that in all things, God is working to conform us into his image. Mm. So it's, it's a season of just continuing to, to contemplate his own heart. Uh, you know, he's in a different chapter, it sounds like, in terms of marriage. Um, and so as he's uh, entering into that, um, how is the Lord wanting to shape him? What values are rising to the top for him? Um, how can he press into his community, hopefully, uh, to continue to find support? But keeping in mind that God is always working and uh, he's, he's primarily concerned about the human heart and what is most important to me. And even in this time, uh, how is he shaping how I think about my wife as she's doing this? Mm -hmm. even, even that's a, an opportunity for him to go before the Lord regarding that. Um, but that's, that's a tough place. I see, I have seen that often. Mm -hmm. um, you know, certainly if things have unfolded as he's said, you know, he's been abandoned. So definitely freedom there for him mm -hmm. uh, to continue to move forward without feeling condemned or shamed or a sense of failure. Mm -hmm. That's good. Follow up question for you on that then. Uh, and feel free to jump in here. You have always got good follow up questions too. Okay. Um, 
you know, the, this, this mindset of fighting for your marriage by yourself. And we, we just had a conversation recently with a friend of ours and, you know, this, this mindset where one spouse is the trajectory is divorce. They're, they're talking to divorce lawyers, obviously dragging your feet. You're wondering why, why delay the inevitable, but a lot of times it's for whatever reason, mm. the, the other spouse is not committed fully to the process, but that one spouse is left hanging. How much belief should they have that God can restore that marriage? And how aggressive should they be towards, you know, pursuing a new life? Mm. And let me ask you this follow Let's layer this in here. It's gonna get said the level's gonna go up. <laughs> it's getting harder and harder. Yeah. From a scriptural standpoint, <laughs> at one point in time, can he enter into a new relationship even if the divorce is not finalized by the state? Mm. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um as far as yeah, I'd just like to apologize. Well, because, I always am asking that question because it's, it's important. Uh, it's it's something that we've just discussed recently. No, actually, yes, we just did have this yeah. conversation. We had a situation like that. Yeah. So you yeah. know, biblically, when I'm working with a couple like this, number one, I do want to know. It's always good, as odd as this sound is, to, sounds is to explore your why of wanting to pursue someone that is running from you mm-hmm. and saying they're done. Like why why are you maintaining this? Is it because you feel very insecure if you don't have this person in your life? Are you fearful of some kind of financial devastation if the marriage actually ends in divorce? And I want to process through the why. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some people that can look me in the face and say, my why is I'm not going to pursue divorce at this point because in my conscience, I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, don't do that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to stand by that person um, and, you know, walk with them. And even looking at uh, first Peter, there's a lot in first Peter about just walking in suffering because it's what God has called us to and, and points in first Peter two twenty three to Jesus himself, uh, who was reviled and persecuted and falsely accused. And he didn't revile in return. He just entrusted that whole thing to the father who would judge all things justly. So mm-hmm. sometimes people have, if that's their conscience, I encourage them and stand with them to s- stay in that space until mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit moves in another direction. Mm-hmm. But if it's more insecurity or fear or, or things or control, things of, of that nature, then I want to deal with those issues mm-hmm. with the person that's wanting to stay in it, because those are not good reasons to continue to try to pursue a spouse that's, that seems like they're done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, you know, in the church, uh, a lot of people feel tons of guilt if they feel like they've got to file for the divorce in these kinds of situations. So I just try to take people through the process of Matthew 18, um, which is go to the person to try to seek reconciliation. If that doesn't work, take others in love. If that doesn't work, will the church get involved in love to try to bring some reconciliation? And then Jesus says, if, if the person is still just saying, I'm not doing this, then you treat them as though they aren't believers. We're not making a judgment on their hearts, but we're just saying we, at this point, that's how we have to look at this situation. Mm-hmm. And then in uh, Corinthians, Paul says, if an unbelieving spouse leaves, uh, let them go. And so the Lord provides some wisdom for Christians in these very hard situations where a person can move on without feeling that they've completely sinned against the Lord in doing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But being romantic with somebody right now for him, uh, other than his wife, who's divorced is okay. No, I, I would discourage that completely. 
um, until all of that paperwork is is finalized. And then probably a year or two after that, getting through uh, the struggle of being divorced. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a big transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, the final papers, that that's a turning point. Uh, that's a milestone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a person might think there it's, you know, it's been a year or two since the papers have been in, in the works and they haven't been signed. But once they're signed, that's a new starting point. Mm-hmm. And you can't just assume you're going to process that the same way you're processing it currently when you're not yet divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would discourage a person from emotionally getting involved with anyone until a divorce is finalized. And then even after that, I think there's probably work that needs to be done. What if God brings somebody to their to their life. I'm just bringing, I'm just bringing up the, <laughs> and the that's just my thought. He's bringing all the no, arguments. I agree with you. I'm not yeah. disagreeing with you. At all. Yeah. I'm just asking questions specifically because everyone will say, well, you know, it's, am I supposed to put my life on hold? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if this person is now, it, because a lot of times the person who's delaying the divorce has already moved on is seeing somebody else. So mm-hmm. this person is, is just left alone yeah. to live their life, raising the kids. Mm-hmm. They're healthy from their counselor's perspective. And, and at some point, you know, you're trapped by the state you're trapped by the documents, trapped by the paperwork, and you want to move on and, and your life is, maybe you're at church and you've met someone and you're just kind of waiting for all that to happen. And I hear you saying, wait, I think from a healthy emotional standpoint, it's good. Yeah. But I'm talking about from a uh, judgment seat of Christ standpoint too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like God would, would judge somebody, their heart, if, if they were um, waiting for the inevitable to happen with the paperwork? and they ended up developing a relationship with somebody. Maybe it's not physical, but it's, it's emotional. I just, I just don't know that I understand mm. the gray area of where things begin to look like a new season, a new chapter in somebody's life, spiritually, emotionally, as opposed to being just forced to live in, a, in almost a prison where you can't go on with your life until mm. the paperwork's signed. And, so I don't, there may not be a great answer other than what you've said, which I agree with. I agree with the, 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 the strategy of making sure the paperwork's signed and then waiting for your emotional state to improve. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I agree with everything that you shared. I think there's no easy answer to mm. this question and, and there's sympathy and compassion for the person who feels like they're trapped. Yes. I would want to breathe hope that we the Lord, God says that, you know, man makes our plans, but he directs our steps mm. and he's not bound by your wife's or estranged wife's behavior. And he's not bound by the legal documentation. He, it's bigger. And so rather than look at your life as I'm in holding, cause we can even do this when we're single before we've met our spouse, mm. you know, my life's on hold until I find that spouse and my life really starts and I have a family, but to truly, and it's very difficult when you're suffering at the same time, yes. but to say, okay, God, I'm not waiting on my life to begin. I'm going to live it right now. And I want to explore these feelings of feeling trapped because I have these longings for a future relationship. But just like when we're a teenager having the choice of, am I going to follow God's design now with dating or in college? Am I going to follow his design now? I think when you're in this space with an estranged spouse, you're faced with the same question all over again. Mm-hmm. God, what's your design? And I think maybe another perspective, you know, you mentioned, will God judge me? And maybe another perspective of that is not, will God judge me, but God, what is your best plan for my life? That's the path I want to take. And I don't want to take a shortcut because I'm attracted to this person if it's not your timing for me to take those next steps. And it's, it's difficult. It's, a, it's challenging. But I would just pray to, to change the mindset of feeling trapped and hopeless to 
God is still in control of my life and Mm -hmm. he's bigger than an attorney. He's bigger than the state. He's bigger than my estranged wife. So Lord, I'm listening. What are my next steps? I want to follow your best path for life, Mm -hmm. whatever that next step looks like. Mm -hmm. It's good. And I would say too, you know, one of the common things um, in some of the stuff that we've talked about today and one of the reasons why we support counseling so much and have people like you guys on all the time is that I think it's important to be submitted to a counselor, you know, or friend or somebody that's, you know, can speak into your life. Because what I would say to him is even if he has a lot of questions, he needs someone that can go and speak into his life, give him wise counsel. You know, sometimes you get blind spots on what's the right thing to do and just being submitted and and having someone that you can ask these hard questions Mm -hmm. to. That's just what it sounds like Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. The, The... The procedure process of, of the reality of, of the situation he's in, there's probably more questions than there is answers mm-hmm. in this season for him. Yeah. Uh, so I want to shift to prenups. <laughs> prenups. Segway. Let's go. <laughs> now, I've evolved on this issue, mind you. So I want to talk about this. Now, the cost of divorce, an uncontested divorce, uncontested. You want to walk in, you both want to get, get it over with. You have no issues related to personal property, kids or whatever, is going to cost you anywhere between $1,500 and $5,500, depending on the state you live in. A contested divorce, on average, is going to start around forty dollars or $50,000 mm-hmm. and up, depending on the process and how much you need to divide up. There's forensic accountants that get involved. There's all sorts of, uh, you know, uh, structures related to kids and, and alimony and, and child payments and all that kind of child support payments. It's messy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, for for a young couple getting married, like your daughter who just got married, yeah. I would not encourage any prenups in that situation. When somebody's older and they have more property, they've built a business on their own, they've they've got assets that are now at play with their potential heirs, kids, grandkids, and there's a new spouse involved, I think prenups are intelligent. I think that there's an opportunity to now structure financially your estate to where everyone can feel good about the reality of the future. Because Stephanie and I, if we build wealth together um, and and then some point in time, you're gone. I'm so sorry. You have to leave in this (laughs) scenario. (laughs) It's got to be you. And And then I remarry. And then those assets that we've created together are now... Uh, bonded to a new spouse with unprotected, uh, with no prenup, then that future spouse at some point, if I died, would have access to all the assets. And then my our kids together may not have mm-hmm. anything going forward. There are real scenarios like that mm-hmm. that happen all oh, the time. Yeah. Absolutely. And so for me, prenups are intelligent when they're constructed with the end in mind, knowing that there's a potential for life to happen, you know, um, you know death or from future divorce. I think what prenups uh, probably speak to more than more than anything is this is a precursor to an eventual divorce. So you're already setting up the marriage in the beginning for divorce because you're signing a prenup. So you're telling somebody, I don't trust you fully. I don't give you everything. You don't have access to all of that. And I think in the beginning of a, of a new relationship with no kids, that's important. But I think as you get down the road and you're marrying later in life, even if it's your first marriage, I think prenups help to um, resolve some of those divorce proceedings that get so ugly because who built what? 
whose was it in the beginning? Mm-hmm. What happened? And it doesn't have to be like a, I'm keeping you from it. It's just a, it's a, it's a state minded uh, structure in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But what would y'all say to that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You want to hit it first? Do you want me to? What's you. your thoughts on prenups? <laughs> that's a big one. Yeah. Let's talk about prenups, baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough question. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if someone comes into my office with that conversation, I think that's a fluid conversation. And I want to know, you know, what is your ultimate aim in doing this? Um, there's, this there's this idea, it's called teleology. And it's the concept that your heart is always aimed at an ultimate target. And that ultimate target drives why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It kind of brings us into this mindset as Christians that we're beings of worship. And the target always has to be God's glory. And God's glory is most lived out as we're loving him and each other. And so I think in a, in a complicated conversation like that, I would want to really weave that in as we're having this conversation uh, and you guys are making a mutual decision. Uh, our baseline is what's it gonna look like to love God and others. So I don't have a, you should or shouldn't, it's probably going to be more fluid with me. And even in that conversation, there could be red flags that pop up as mm-hmm. motivations that aren't the best for doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, or it might be a situation where both feel extremely good about it and feel this is operating in wisdom, mm-hmm. at which point we would, I would encourage mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But it's, it's ultimately how am I glorifying God? Are we loving him and are we loving each other as we're processing a, com- a very complicated conversation. Yeah. 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 I think it is a complicated conversation. And I think again, back to it case by case, but looking at it through a biblical worldview, why? Because that's what we believe is going to be the best, most thriving marriage for that couple. If it's in line with God's path. And so I agree. Um, I may have some difference, you know, some different thought, different thoughts on what we're discussing. I think when a young couple gets married, I've I've not seen in my practice where a prenuptial agreement was faring well for the couple. Mm -hmm. What I found is that with one or the other, it bred um, distrust Mm -hmm. in the relationship. Are we all in? And so I think starting at the baseline of just the architect, what is marriage? Um, For this reason, a man and a woman will become one. What does oneness look like as we talk about finances and our belongings? With that, when you bring up the older couple coming together, a conversation, maybe one of them or both of them have kids. And I think in that moment, there's an opportunity where, you know what, we can let the legal system work for us. And together as a couple, let's decide how we want to care for our children that came from our other spouses. How do we want to do that in the case of death, in the case of that, us no longer being in marriage, I would say per death, I would be hesitant to approach a prenup with divorce already in mind. I think that begins to Mm -hmm. talk to the why, as you were discussing, that I'm entering in this with a lot of um, escape hatches Mm -hmm. out of our relationship. That is, I don't think that's ever going to be the foundation Mm -hmm. of a healthy marriage. But if you're looking at it uh, together and you're one and you're um, 
an agreement of we want to take care of our assets wisely. We want to take care of our children if one of us passes and make Mm -hmm. sure that you, my spouse, are cared for. Mm -hmm. And because I've seen it go both ways where the children come in and they take everything because there wasn't wisdom. Well, that's young young marriage is absolutely not. I don't feel like there's any any ground rules for that at all. Like I would never recommend a a prenup for a first marriage, especially, Mm -hmm. but especially a younger marriage. Yes. 20s and 30s. Getting into your 40s and 50s and 60s, you know, whether there's uh, a loss of a spouse or a divorce, then you get into to waters, especially in the 50s, 60s uh, decades mm-hmm. of, of couples, yeah. where it just gets really complicated. Yeah. And you just, you talk about, there's a two-sided nature to that yeah. coin. You know, there's, there's the side of escape hatches for, uh, you know, divorce. But there's also the other side, which is it just resolves those fights before they even happen. Yes. You 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 can protect the kids, you can protect the future, mm-hmm. and then you can live in your your state of mind, knowing that everything's good. Um, as you get older, then things just get a little bit different. You see the world differently. Mm-hmm. And when you're young, you don't want to put those impediments in place related to relationships. I don't want her to feel like I'm keeping something from her because we're building our life together. But two mature adults should see that as you're getting married in your 50s and 60s, the world's just different. You you have kids and possibly grandkids, and you want them to be just as successful in their lives. And I've seen it where the new spouse has a family they're bringing in, and now they're affected. And so if that that, that spouse that, that they married passes away and there's no protection, mm-hmm. all those kids and that wife can control now all the assets and even leave out the kids mm-hmm. of, of the of the of the spouse that built all of that wealth yeah. mm-hmm. and it's a tragedy yes and it's avoidable yes it's avoidable mm-hmm. yeah. but i think people in, in a dangerous way just automatically shove prenups into this mm-hmm. heresy category mm-hmm. and as an organization that's got a slack from one of our uh, <laughs> team members i am not endorsing prenups as an organization excellent marriage is not endorsing prenups all i'm saying is talk to your lawyers and make sure you understand and at the end of the day you don't have to sign the prenup you don't have to sign it nobody's forcing you to sign it so if you want to be in a relationship with somebody in your 50s 60s 70s but what i'm witnessing right now too in the older generation is they're just not getting married mm-hmm. because they would rather just sleep together live together whatever it is and not go through the process of getting married so in that sense of the word it's better to have a prenup and be in a holy covenant than it is to live together because you're scared of, of the intertwingling and intertwining of uh your your physical assets mm-hmm. we're never gonna get i know you you saved face on that one how did i save face <laughs> right there saying <laughs> we don't we don't endorse it yeah <laughs> listen I wish we lived in a vacuum. We don't. This is a real world. These are things that They're people real, talk about yeah. every single day. Mm-hmm. Prenups are a part of society. And Linda Lane, though, here in the comments section says she had a prenup drafted because her future husband was going to be incarcerated for an auto accident and she wanted to protect her income in case he lost everything. He then turned on her so she doesn't recommend. So there you go. There's people that have had you know experiences with that don't recommend it. I'm just saying it's an interesting conversation. Um, there was a comment in here about the Western world endorsing prenups, but we just going back to the fact that we live in a society where the legal system is set up to extract every single dollar you have through the divorce proceeding. So mm-hmm. if you're getting married, it's going to cost you to get married and it's going to cost you to divorce. And I hope, 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 hope instead they visit ChristianCounseling.com, yeah. MetroplexCounseling.com. What is your website? Metroplex Counseling. Yeah. I wish they would go see you before they do yes. that because it would save them a whole lot of, uh, yes. of pain and suffering. Mm. Yes. And then Susan, you're, you're, 
an LPC you've practiced for many years, you're kind of taking a hiatus, but uh, possibly seeing um, maybe future patients, future patients, do you call them patients? Clients, yeah. Clients. Um, <laughs> But Keystone Church is a fantastic church for mm. couples to get integrated with. Mm -hmm. Y'all have a great, um, uh, beautiful marriage, especially you and Brandon have a really uh, great relationship. As senior pastors, you're in a good season of life where you're kind of, you've, got, you've gone through the, the baby phase, teenage phases. You're in the, the sweet spot now where you're kind of empty nesting on the verge of empty nesting. Mm -hmm. So you've seen all that. And then you're leading the church very well, uh, Keystone Church. Tell them about the church right Thank now. Thank you. Oh, we're so excited right now what God is doing at Keystone Church. Our heart is for families. When we planted the church 20 years ago, our desire was to look around the landscape of our city and that we would be part of helping the divorce rate lower. That was a big mm. desire and conversation we had in the very beginnings of the church. And so that's our passion is to see life change happen. We're addicted to life change. And we think it happens amazingly when it's inside Christian community of the church. And so, yeah come see us and um, we we pray that you'll encounter god when you do and meet some really great people along the way started at a furniture store now you're in a beautiful property right off 1709 yes. keller texas yeah. mm -hmm. and right on the border of, of keller and south like it's a great it's a great place to call home if you're looking for a church home mm -hmm. and then dr lelick uh talk a little bit about your practice what's going on with metroplex counseling what is it called now i think i, I keep calling metroplex counseling yeah so we when we started the brain treatment we changed the name to metroplex wellness and counseling okay uh, because we really are emphasizing body and soul. My background is biblical counseling. Uh, I founded uh, the Association of Biblical Counselors, which is ChristianCounseling.com. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just more and more convinced of the, the soul and the body are very, very important in terms of the process of change. And so we have added uh, the brain treatment, the ISIS. We do mental health nutrition. Uh, we actually have a massage therapist that's uh, on staff with us. Uh, we recently, uh, just this month, um, opened a beautiful location in Midlothian in this huge, mm. wonderful old house on Main Street. Um, so we're excited about that. But we have an office in Fort Worth, Alito, and Midlothian. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you really are doing body, mind, and soul? We are trying. Mm -hmm. yes. The website is metroplexcounseling.com. That's correct. And uh, it's a great place to find uh, help as well. And, and so I encourage everyone out there that if you're looking for, uh, especially the Metroplex, Dallas Metroplex, uh, a good place to um, just talk to somebody and get, mm -hmm. get information about how to maybe go about ISIS. Yes. Yeah. I feel like we need to create a song about ISIS, <laughs> PSA's public service about yes. it. Yeah. Um, but if you're interested in that, I, I would highly recommend it. I'm actually curious about it now. Maybe yeah. she wants me to yes. try it. Sign him up. My yeah. issues. Yeah. Need some okay. And, and I would say, well, just a quick question from a, from an age range standpoint, how young do you see patients with that? Oh, we'll go, uh, three years old, four years old. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's the younger the brain, the more malleable. So yeah, good. Yeah. We treat, we treat, oh, another aut autism. We've seen children speak for the first time. Oh, wow. Four years old, and they say mom for the first time in our counseling wow. center doing that treatment. Yeah, wow. Wow. it's amazing. It's, it's beautiful. Mm. It's beautiful. It's yeah, it's a, it's a great resource. Okay, well, thanks for, thanks for being on the show today. It's great. Yes. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. I'll come back, and um, I think it's super helpful to not just give everyone an opportunity to hear from you, but to just raise awareness about what you're doing and the space that you're doing it in, both from a from a church and LPC side, but also from the practice that you see couples and, and individuals every single day, mm. their, their issues, the trends. We live in a really weird society right now where the stress yeah. that's coming from social media, that's coming from all these sorts of uh, pain points is just magnifying. Mm -hmm. the kids that are growing up with social media, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens 20, 30 yes. years from now 
when these young kids get married in their whole world. We're all going to be at your office because we're all going to need our brain rewired. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just, we'll have to have one of those like pocket versions yeah, where it's just pocket. wired to your yeah. head all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and you can just set a set a timer to it. Just zap. Can we just like zap? Ooh, the remote control. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So thanks for everyone for joining us today on XO Live. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this this program. It's been a it's been a great time uh, just answering your questions and thanks for putting those into the chat. Uh, I will say again, we have the I Will Couples Devotional brand new out from Jimmy and Karen Evans. Uh, this is a wonderful resource for you to give away during the Christmas season. Uh, if you get it from Amazon, I guarantee you they'll ship it to you. I can't guarantee that. I do not, I do not work for Jeff Bezos. <laughs> But that's probably the best way to get it before Christmas is, is Amazon. Um, it's coming out this week. So get that as well. And uh, I want to say, please subscribe to our channels. Dave and Ashley Willis have their own YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe there. My parents, Jimmy and Karen, have a Marriage Today YouTube channel. Of course, the XO Marriage channel. Please subscribe, like this video, share it with your friends, and make sure that you are letting everyone know that XO Marriage is a resource uh, as they're going through the Christmas season, as they're entering into the new year with the eventual we're going to try to cancel this holiday but it's divorce day and we don't want this to be a thing anymore so if you need help the cost of divorce is expensive but mediation is available so exomarriage.com you'll find uh, what we do for mediation these are intensive so this is different than counseling this is one and two day intensives for your marriage i encourage you to check it out uh, it has an 80 percent success rate for helping couples avoid the devastation of divorce. So if you're in that season, mm -hmm. you need help, go to excellentmarriage.com. There's no excuses. It's worth the investment because divorce is definitely not what you want to encounter. Mm -hmm. All right, everyone, hope you have a great Christmas. Uh, we'll be seeing you back again after the new year, two weeks off, and then we'll be back. Hope everyone has a great Christmas. God bless you. Bye-bye.